Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. Culture Proof is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. If you've come to homeschooling or you're thinking of homeschooling to preserve a solid biblical worldview in your children, you should consider the curriculum we trust to help with biblical worldview formation. BJU Press Homeschool is here for you and with you as you center Christ in the education of your kids. Visit our friends today at BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com, the premier sponsor of the Culture Proof podcast. For listening to Culture Proof. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Mark Hancock is the CEO of Trail Life. And we are having an incredible conversation about the necessity of seeing boys as they have truly been designed by God and not trying to make them something else. In fact, that's what we've done in our culture with um, dire consequences, the effects of trying to make boys different or wire them, yeah. rewire them, yeah. has caused a tremendous amount of trauma. And we use the word trauma probably in a sense where we shouldn't. But I think as it pertains to boys, there's a real sense of trauma that our boys are not allowed to be boys. Yeah, and the thing about it, when we see it, these things happening, it's an attack on the image of God mm. and the design of God, you know, the way that he's designed things, all these things in culture that says you can't do this, don't be this way, mm -hmm. you know, or these things are the same when they're not, you know, it's an attack on God's design. And so uh, boys not being able to be boys, men not being able to be men or being attacked for being men is an attack on God. Oh, my goodness. Mark, your thoughts on that before I even move on, like, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, th I think that's true. You know, God, God, male and female, he created them. And there's such energy and there's such power and there's such beauty in both of those things. Yeah. And so over the last couple of generations, we've begun, we could become to dis dismiss biblical masculinity. And it's really has cost all of us, both men mm. and women. Mm. And it's, it's really tragic to, 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 to lose that masculine, uh, character and nature of God that's in, that's in each one of us, each, each one of us men is, is, is really tragic. Mm -hmm. And we've, and we've, uh, we, we've encouraged the feminine, the feminine part of, part of God. And so we recognize God more as a feminine God uh, mm -hmm. than even as a masculine God of old or that, that scripture, scripture would show us. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, no, I, I think it's so important to explore the realities of where we've misrepresented God by appropriating what comes from the culture. And mm. I think too often we don't stop to do that, to explore what are the things that we have grabbed from the culture and then tried to shove it into scripture and make it biblical when the reality is it's not biblical. It's something that the culture has made normative. Um, I want to go back to something we were talking about in a previous episode. We were talking about education and the ways that we failed boys. I was reading 
writing an article um, that quoted you, and I want to say that this was in 2021, um, you were talking about how we have not served our boys well in education. And we may have touched a little bit on this, but I kind of want to drill down. One of the things that you said, and I'm going to quote you here, you mentioned the quote, ongoing war on boyhood. And then you go on to say it started years ago, but really ramped up in the 90s with the way in which boys and girls were educated. We stressed math and science for girls, but ignored the boys. We felt like girls needed to get better in science. So we kind of changed the way we educated kids in order to favor girls. You go on. As a result, we're seeing a severe impact on the boys. It's wonderful that girls improved in science and technology, but we ignored the boys in the process, end quote. The thing that really struck me about that is that most recently, there was a Wall Street Journal article that was looking at the same thing. Um, headline, boys are struggling. It can take coaches, tutors, and thousands a month, thousands of dollars a month to fix that. And one of the things pointed out in this article is that we have overlooked boys to create equity in education for girls. Mm. Mark, your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, you know, it's, I, the one thing I would take take issue with on the last thing is it doesn't take money. It takes that four-letter word T I M E, mm. and that would invest invest in our boys. But but it is the in the '90s when we adjusted things. You know, girls were behind in STEM subjects, and we knew that, and that was clear, and that was sad, and that needed to be fixed. But what we weren't paying attention to is that the boys were behind in language and social skills. Mm. So instead of giving a program to help the boys improve in their language and social skills. We shifted to creating an environment that favors girls, sit still, be quiet, pay attention, classroom uh, type settings and in, in, in curriculum uh, so that we could help girls out in the STEM subject. And that was important. That was important. Girls needed that. Um, but we did it at the price of boys. And now, of course, girls lead in all those academic categories. I remember growing up, uh, you know, developmentally, boys develop more slowly than girls. So it does take them intellectually um, longer. Uh, they, they're not at the same place with girls. Uh, girls just develop more quickly. And, uh, but at some point, the boys catch up and even surpass them in terms of their intellectual capability. So when I was growing up, when you hit middle school or junior high, the boys started being the ones who were the smart ones. They were the math, math kids and the science kids, and they, they just started being smart because that's when their brain began to catch up. Hmm. Uh, but now in the system that we're in now, by the time they get to that age, they've already given up. They've already decided that they can't. They can't do. They just can't keep up, and so they've they've checked out. Because um, boys will always, boys will always find a way uh, to 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 excel. They'll find a place to stand out. And unfortunately, if they don't fit in our academic environment, they're going to find a way that it's not always healthy. Sometimes it's sports or something like that, but a lot of times it's not a healthy way that they're trying to find themselves. So it's been to the detriment of boys. Um, Again, wonderful growth in, 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 in girls and women that, that I applaud. I think it was necessary, but it's been at the price of boys. You know, it's like boyhood is some kind of social disease that we need to eradicate or something. It's like there's something <laughs> wrong with that uh, kind of uh, energy and risk and competition of boys. We've painted it all as toxic and mm. it's not. It's just it's what we need in men to create that greatest generation kind of mentality that says, uh, you know, let us at it. We, 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 we can do anything mm. because we want to protect our families. We yeah. want to uh, 
we 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 want to we want to be better. We want to we want to. And so we kind of wear boys out over time by putting them in situations that they don't they just don't fit. Mm. You know, it's, it's amazing to me. I thought about this, how we've covered different stories about in other countries, like I think it was China, that they start taking certain things off of the television. You can't, yeah. we're not showing, you know, uh, feminine, feminized like men, men. Yeah. and things like that. And even in, in other countries, like they're like, they don't, they wouldn't put up with that. But in America, it seems like we are promoting and celebrating these things. What happened? Where did that come in? And, and in your opinion, and, and what do you see us going? Going from here, if we don't like stop this, hmm. well, that's way above my pay grade. And that's a great <laughs> question, Will. <laughs> you know how did how did how did we get here? You know it's it, you know it's it, it's it's really it's really tragic. Yeah. But 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 there are like I said, it doesn't take money. Um, I think we have it in the church. I, I I think we have the ability to to get in touch with back in touch with the things that God values, mm-hmm. um, which is every human being uh, that 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 deserves dignity and um if there's if there's a, a demographic that 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 we are across the board across every socioeconomical racial barrier uh some of this really being being impact mm-hmm. it's the it's the human boy um today and uh, he deserves dignity he deserves to be recognized for his strengths and and not uh, criticized or punished for those exact same strengths. Yeah. yeah, I'm curious to know your thoughts on the importance of keeping strong male figures in front of our boys. You know, I think of I think of my husband and and I think of like, you know, it's it's so healthy for them to see the way he responds to them versus the way I respond to them. I mean, they they have learned us as children do learn their parents and they know who's going to give what response. I am going to give a no and then with a comma and then give some kind of explanation and dad's going to say no. (laughs) Right. I think it's important for boys to view that and for that to be seen as a healthy difference between men and women that our culture seems to want to keep away from them and only keep the what would I don't know, I guess the soft approach to 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 humanity. I don't know. Maybe there's a better way to say that. Have you observed that as well, Mark? Yeah, absolutely. And boys and boys respect boundaries. Um, they, they, they like that hierarchical approach. They're wired. They're wired for that. And in our desire to make everything fair and keep everybody from getting the feelings hurt, we've really harmed boys there. Hmm. You know, boys are always asking no matter where they go. They're always asked three questions. Who's in charge? Who's with me? And what is our mission? Hmm. And if, if we can answer those questions for boys, uh, everywhere they go, who's who's in charge? They need to know that there's a, an authority in the room. I, I know you you homeschool your kids, but in the public school system, there's something called a substitute teacher. I know you don't have a substitute mom and dad who come in and teach, but <laughs> in the school, when that substitute shows up, uh, you know, pretty much across the board, the girls are like, okay, you're the teacher. What's our assignment? And the boys are like, okay, yeah. <laughs> which you got from because yeah. the boys you know, the boys need to know, can you manage this room? Mm. <laughs> are, are you, you don't know these guys next to me. They can burn this place down. Can you, I need to know that you are in charge and then I can relax <laughs> because if you're not in charge, guess who will be in charge? I'll step up. I'll be mm. in charge. I'll run this classroom mm. and I, you know, and I'll do it my way. I need to know who's in charge. And so what you've set up in your, in your family dynamics is, his dad is the no person. And, and so you know, he's, he's in charge. Right. And that, that, that brings peace to that household. 
that settles that household. You know, I remember in the 80s, Dr. Dobson did an experiment where there was a, a, a childcare center and out the back doors was this little fenced in area with the playground and they took down the fence. And when the kids went out to play, they all clustered up close to the building. They didn't go out onto the equipment because there was no fence. And then they put the fence there and then the kids went out. They climbed the fence, they pushed against the fence, they, hmm. they did everything because they knew that there was a boundary and that gave them safety and security. Yeah. So they need to know who's in charge. They need to know who's with me, who's who's part of who it is that I am. Who So uh, creating that sense of community, we do that in trail life. We have patrols, we have, you know, we break them down into smaller groups. They're, they're the flying squirrels or the purple ducks or whatever they name themselves. Um, so they're creating that sense of sense of community. They have a call, they have, uh, maybe they design a flag or something. So we're create. we know that they need to know who's in charge. So we give them a hierarchical structure who's with me. So they give them the patrol name and something to identify with something bigger than they are to identify with. And then what's our mission and boys always need to have a mission. Mm. They need to know what it is that they're about. That's why even in talking about going to church and getting, you know, uh, staying staying composed during church it's one thing to say i need you to be quiet you know and i need you to be quiet and you say that 15 20 times you know during the church service or at the beginning to give those boys a mission we are together going to get through this service without me having to say i need you to be quiet Hmm. and if we do it's ice cream, run around the block, climb the tree, whatever it is we want to do. And so they need, so when you give the boys a mission, when you give them a purpose, so that true. helps them. Who's in yeah. charge? Who's with me? What is our mission? Yeah. When we can set boys up with those things, we've got their hearts. That's what the military does. And guess what? You know, the fastest growing youth group in the country is gangs. Mm. Why <laughs> is that? Who's in charge? <laughs> Who's with me? Colors, gang sides, everything. What's our mission? Very clear message, missions, not good missions, but mm-hmm. boys are drawn to that kind of structure. They will give their lives for that gang because they, they answer those three questions. Wow. Where, wow where, you know, I, was, I was a youth pastor. It, you know, if there was a new Marvel movie out on a Wednesday night, they wouldn't even come to my youth group. But that gang, they'll be there because because that gang is answering that question in such clear ways. So 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 that's how we uh, win the hearts of men and the hearts of boys is to answer, is to answer those questions. And in our culture today, who's in charge? Uh, you are if you want to be, I, I, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to do is fine. You know, you want to dress this way or be that way or, or, or do this or become a different gender or what you know, go go for. You know, there's no there's no rules. There's no hmm. fences. There's no there's no one in control. You know, and who's with me? Well, we've been divided in so many ways in our culture. Who is with me? Hmm. Now we're on social media yelling at each other, and the people who should be our friends we're yelling at. So we've 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 taken away that that tapestry that held us. And then what is our mission? Well, we're in a purposeless culture. That's that's adrift. What are we really about? And so systemically in our whole culture, not only we're we not answering that question for boys when they're with us, but the whole atmosphere that we're breathing has nobody in control, has nobody with us, and has no clear mission. And that's the environment that, that we're putting boys into, and they have the strongest need uh, for those three questions to be answered. Wow. You mm. know, I'm, I'm thinking about wow. um, the to the question, who's with me? 
And I'm thinking about all of the ways that we have normalized isolation in our culture and how we assume that that only adversely affects girls. But I'm thinking about growing up. I remember my brother and and bless his heart, you know, four girls, one boy, bless his heart. Yeah. But I remember when he got a Nintendo and, and I remember that that was hooked up to the TV and we had one TV. And so if he was gaming and wasn't even called gaming, it was just called playing the game. If he was playing the game, we were all in there watching and we were all cheering. Like we were all, so we were with him as he played the game versus now our boys kind of tuck away. And even as they're playing the game, they're still in isolation. There's no one saying, oh, that was good. Look at what you did. Oh my goodness. Like there's still hmm. the feeling of like a team. So even with that, we have normalized isolation. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast and you are enjoying what you hear, please remember to give it a rating or to leave a comment. Let people know that this podcast is a blessing to you. It helps to grow Culture Proof and we would be so grateful. Also, if you love Culture Proof and you want to support the ministry, why not pick up some merch and look good while you support the ministry of Culture Proof? Check out every podcast. You'll find a link in the description to where you can get your Culture Proof merch and support this ministry. We appreciate it. Yeah, that's true. But you know, I, I just uh, was talking to the gentleman yesterday who's who's really looking deeply into this stuff. And that sense of community and vi video games are different than other screen time. The majority of our screen time, social media stuff is isolating. Mm. But in some of the video games, it is giving those boys a sense of community. Is it? And the, the ones that they're drawn to, now it's a virtual community, but they're mm. they're on a mission together, whether it's, uh, you know, some kind of uh, shooting shooting game or, or war game or something like that. They are linking with other guys. So they're finding. Their so the online gaming. Yeah. OK. So yeah. that's that, yeah, the online game. That's really attractive to them. Mm. Now, other types of gaming that just one person kind of thing, just playing against themselves or just the social media stuff and all that. That's isolating. But they're actually. Uh, one of the reasons that they're drawn to those games, another reason they're drawn to the games is because there is a true sense of, not true sense, there's a virtual sense of community there. Wow. And so they're kind of getting that that need met there. And what you're doing in your house with everybody sitting around, yeah. We, we did that over, over Christmas. Uh, we had a, our, our boys who are now who are now grown, the 24 and 22, we are over Thanksgiving, I'm sorry. We all got together and I guess Fortnite is something they used to play years ago and they brought back something about Fortnite. I don't know, but we all sat around and we watched them play and we were cheering them on. And then my, my older son is married and my younger son has his fiance. And so watching the girls play and everybody just cheering for one person at a time, it did, it, there was a nice sense of community. I'm thinking, I don't have a problem with this at all. Um, but you're right. The isolating kind of things um, that don't involve the people who are physically present are, are really, are really damaging. We're losing those vital connections. Yeah. Mark, so you've got two master's degrees in mental health counseling. And so I want to make a shift here and, and spend a little bit of time talking about maybe helping moms and dads, um, grandparents understand what it is that we may be overlooking in the emotions of men and boys. Like, what is it that we have failed to recognize as the emotional needs of boys, maybe even in, even in some ways telling our boys um, directly or indirectly to suppress those emotions? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm doing a lot of study on that right now. In fact, this next year when I travel around to the different gatherings, that's what I'm going to be talking about is, is attachment 
and an emotion an emotional connection because we've come through this COVID thing um, has done some miserable things. I, mm. I love the technology that we're using right now, but I couldn't exist on all this time. You know, joy is harvested in the face of other people. And, and, and I, and I don't believe that we get that virtually. I think that we have to be present with people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and we've got, we've gotten away from a lot of that. So that's, that's, so I'm looking at a lot of that, but, but this, 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 another place we've gone in our culture is, is we don't like to see our kids, um, feelings hurt. We don't like to see them sad. And so we've learned and we've taught ourselves, you're dealing with a difficult thought, um, pick up your phone, just scroll, just do something else rather than sit there with that emotion. And so we're, we're, we're distancing ourselves more and more from our, not only from each other, but from our own emotions, mm. because it's so easy rather than be sad or rather than think about something difficult or hard to be distracted. Hmm. And the sad part is that doesn't make that emotion go away. It just suppresses it. And it teaches us not to think about it. One, I made a real mistake with one of my sons that I wish I could take back. Um, when he was young, we took him out on the front porch. He just got a BB gun and we had a big tree in the yard. I said, so why don't you, why don't you shoot at one of the leaves in the tree? It's the first time this guy's a little BB gun, a little pudgy face. And he pulls the trigger on that little BB gun and a bird falls out of the tree. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was my re that was my reaction. And, uh, so, but I'm immediately, oh my gosh! Now he didn't mean to. He didn't, neither one right. of us saw the bird, you know. Right. Um, but what did I do? I immediately took. Oh well, let's. I turned him around inside the house. Let's go back back inside because I didn't want him to be sad. Mm. Because I'm a loving parent. I don't want my kids <laughs> to be sad. But I'm understanding now that, and I so wish I'd done. I've, I've apologized to him a number of times. I said, "Son, this is what I should have done." You should have set that BB gun down and you and I walked out there and sat down on the ground with that bird and just talked about how sad it was. Hmm. You, know, you didn't mean to do it. You didn't do anything wrong. But isn't that sad that that bird was probably a happy little bird just doing his little bird things flying hmm. around. And then if I had been really good, <laughs> I would have said, why don't we invite Jesus to come sit here with us. Mm. And what do you think he would say? And imagine one of us would say, Jesus would say, he's sad too. Uh, he, 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 you know, he knows every sparrow that falls. Mm. He's aware and he's sad too. And if we just sat there in that sadness together and let my son understand, because again, he's got two half brains, let him understand this that you're feeling right now that sadness, that's called sadness. Mm -hmm. Where do you feel it in your body? Well, Dad, I come feel it in my stomach a little bit. Yeah, whenever you feel that, that's your body trying to tell you you're sad about something. Mm -hmm. So you should sit down and invite Jesus to sit there with you, and let's talk about the sadness. And I think that if we took that our approach with boys to introduce them to emotions that don't come naturally to mm -hmm. them, then we wouldn't have so many men who are just confused about what it is that they feel. The only acceptable emotion in our society for men today is anger. That's mm. the one that's expected. That's the one that we tell them, this is who, this is what you do. And so all of these emotions, the sadness, the disappointment, everything is driven towards anger and it comes out as anger. When what we should be doing, it takes 90 seconds for an emotion to dissipate from our bodies. 
what we should do instead of picking up the phone or taking them inside or getting them away from this from whatever the thing is that we don't want them to be affected by is spend 90 seconds sitting there talking about that emotion sitting there with jesus and processing that man what i wouldn't take to have that moment back do i have a son that for the rest of his life every time he runs into sadness he stops and he says i think i'll sit here with jesus for a little bit Mm. wouldn't that be wouldn't that be a huge win Mm. for a parenting model so that that's one way that we can begin to restore is make emotions great again oh that's good (laughs) (laughs) make emotions great again okay well let's stay here just a little bit mark and let me let me do a follow-up question then um how do we know when there is the over expression of emotion coming from our boys like when do we step in and say Mm. okay um, maybe don't cry about this, or do we just say everything? You can cry about everything and anything. How, how do we balance that out? That's good. Yeah. What you're talking about is windows of tolerance and regulation and how we regulate our emotions. So uh, a bird falls out of the tree. There's an appropriate amount of sadness. Um, you pinch your finger in something. Mm. Oh, <laughs> that kind of hurt. Yeah. It does, it's not, it's not going to ruin your day. And so we have to help, help, help our kids to regulate their emotions keep them within a window of tolerance. You can be up in the attic, just freaking out over stuff. You can be down in the basement, just suppressing it and ignoring it, or you need to be somewhere in the middle window of tolerance saying, yeah, this happened, this happened. And I'm not ignoring it. I'm not pressing it down, but I'm also not freaking out. I'm handling it in, in the appropriate way. And we model that for our kids. And we also co-regulate with them where we come alongside and we don't tell them how to feel. We, we tell them we understand how it is that they feel. Hmm. So we don't say, don't stop crying. We say, I understand that you're sad. And uh, by, by that sharing of that, uh, that emotional moment, that helps regulate it. Hmm. That's good. You know, when, I, when I was young, I was sent to my room. And so I had to deal with those emotions alone. Now I'm 63 years old. I'm still I'm still dealing with a guy who doesn't quite know how to be with his emotions all the time because I was taught your emotions are something that you do by yourself. Mm. And so so if we can we can help our our boys in particular have a harder time processing emotions, how to sit with emotions, how to be with them, how to handle them in a in a window of tolerance where they're okay. Um, they don't, they won't be, they won't have these uh, huge highs and lows because emotions are just something some that happened. They're, they're not, they're not bad. Hmm. They're, they're not dictators. They're indicators. You know, uh, you're, you're feeling something. What's going on? Let's sit there. Hmm. Don't pick up the phone. Don't, because then later in life, it's not, now it's not picking up a phone. It's picking up a beer or picking up a, a pipe or, or, or something else because we we train ourselves to stay away from difficult things. Hmm. We've got to learn to sit with those things. Just 90 seconds, that emotion can can have its chance to run its course, and then and then and then we go back to uh, to 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 being in a, an acceptable window of tolerance. Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm I'm wondering this, and this is a question. Um, I I'd like to start with you, Mark. I don't think I've ever asked this question even of you, Will the Great. But I'm curious to know how are men affected by terms like mansplaining or the concept of toxic masculinity do men actually care about that or is that something that they just dismiss well we don't like things that we can't do anything about um so the toxic thing it's just like okay well we're just gonna have to 
do better and overcome that because there is some reality. There are toxic men in our culture. There are bad men in our culture, but we're creating more bad men by causing them to suppress emotions. So, so let's stop doing that. Um, so, so if you're not a toxic man, you say, okay, you know, I get it. I get it. I understand I, that, that to some degree that label's warranted by other men, not by me. And I understand that it's splashing over under me. And I'm going to be affected by that. That's just the way it is. I can't can't get angry about it. Not anything to do about it. The only thing I do is is live my life in such a way that that I'm showing something different than what it is that they that they expect. Now, a lot of the mansplaining, what's going on there? We have a desire to connect as men, and when we can't do it emotionally, we're going to try to do it intellectually. Hmm. So that's where we bring our words, and and we don't always realize that our that our words aren't aren't building that connection any stronger we need to bring ourselves in, 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 a, in a different way. So it's not that even if, even if we're in disagreement over something, it's rarely more words that's going to fix that. Hmm. Um, it's, it's some other kind of connection or a presence, an understanding of validating of each other's feelings. I hear what it is that you're saying. That's what builds the connection. We tend to think that if we could just make our point, everybody would understand and we'd all get along. That's why on social media, you see this crazy stuff going back and forth. People just yelling at each other. They don't even know each other. Mm. So, so words, more words rarely brings the kind of connection we want. Mm. Um, but we think that somehow if they just knew, uh, they would like us better or they would understand better or I wouldn't be wrong or I wouldn't be labeled as wrong. Um, when really what it is, is we're just looking for connection. Yeah. Mm. What, just, is, what about you? Just, just understand what I'm saying here. Yeah, yeah. Those terms, when I when I hear them, you know, I dismiss them because I feel like I know where they're coming from, and so I'm like, man, you guys are are tripping, you know. Like I I I feel like those terms, you know, come from a place of people who are trying to push a certain type of um, narrative that's ungodly. Mm. So when I hear them, I'm like, okay, whatever. You can yeah. call it toxic all you want. I'm going to be a man and I'm going to. So you, you know. feel like it's an attack on manhood just in general. I do. Okay. And so I, I, I you know, because I feel like I know where it's coming from. I just kind of, yeah, yeah. I so to it. your point then, Mark, let me ask you this, because if, if you say there is such a thing as toxic masculinity or toxic, there is such a thing as toxic men, maybe not masculinity. Yeah. What does that toxicity look like what, what what does that look like well it's 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 a narcissistic shut down closed man that we're that we're creating through the way that we're managing boys and men hmm. now will can will can he can process that he can he can say but i know that's not true about about me but hmm. we're raising a generation that doesn't have that hmm. that inner character strength and integrity to discern between what's coming at them that's right that's right or wrong or correct correction we don't even have right or wrong you're not even allowed to talk about right or wrong right. anymore so so it's difficult be, to be raised in this culture you know 58 percent of americans no longer believe that the bible is the source of morality and god is the source of morality for so try being raised in that culture mm. you know where there's no right or wrong yeah so when these words are coming at you these claims are coming at you they don't have a foundation to right. process you know, Will has a history of being around godly men or good men or men of character. He's a man of character himself. So he can say, I know what I got here. Right. That's garbage. Boys don't have that. The ground is shifting so quickly. It could be, maybe I am toxic. Mm. 
Wow. Mm. I, I probably am toxic. I guess there's something wrong with me, which is why, like I said, they're leading in the growth of suicide, uh, 10 to 14 years old, tragic. And the failure to launch is now more young men living at home than have lived there since we started counting that in 1960. There's fewer men going to college than women now. It's, you know, 40 years ago, there were more men than women at college. Now it's totally flipped because guys are guys are giving up. They have the ground is shifting so much that they don't know what to believe about themselves. So they're buying that lie. Will is an exceptional man. And, and I and think this, so. And this guy, <laughs> thank you. And so, you know, but but we we have fewer and fewer wills as we go because we've lost the ground that we stand on that allows us to discern between uh, good and evil. Oh, wow. and that makes me wow. sad. That makes me really sad. And there are a couple things that you just said there, Mark, wow. that that really really saddens mm-hmm. me. One that if we see a drop off in boys or men attending college, that there's not something that's a trade, something hands-on that's replacing that, that there is just sort of this great resignation mm. um, at manhood. That that really makes me sad. And then mm-hmm. two, as you're talking, I'm thinking about a conversation we had just a couple nights ago at dinner with our two daughters. And, and I honestly didn't know what to say to them. They were talking about, um, they don't expect that there will be the type of men who would follow them to the gas station just to pump gas because they're is running low on fuel and they were using this as an example of something that dad did they don't they don't expect that kind of chivalry they don't expect that and they said um i think our oldest who is 16 said yeah i think dad is probably like a dying breed and i go oh no please don't say that like because we pray for their spouses we Mm -hmm. want them to marry number one godly men but we also want them to marry godly men who know how to be men right? Mm-hmm. Men who follow God. So what, what encouragement do you have to moms um, who might lament the same thing? Well, you're, first of all, you're not alone in that. You know, we had a generation of women who said, I don't want a man. And their daughters said, I don't need a man. Mm. And then their daughter said, I don't even know what a man is. Mm. So, so this has been the progression. It makes sense <laughs> that this is why we are where we are. But I want to encourage you with this. There is a remnant. God is raising up a generation of godly men. He's doing it in quiet places like trail life and in churches and things yeah. like that. Where he is raising up men, reminding them of who it is that they are. They're finding each other in places like trail life. And they're standing on the things, reminding each other, standing with each other in a culture that, that is really, uh, really leaning against them in, in that way. We really are in a place where I can understand what your daughters are saying. Where are the men? What is a man? What does that even look like? And so they're taking on themselves, understandably, I'm going to take care of myself Hmm. because there's no one out there that's going to take care of me. And so that even widens the divide. Hmm. And uh, that's that's just where we are right now. But there is a remnant uh, that's that's rising. I believe that we oh, oh, we I believe. I'm doing this in trailer, not, you know, if there was a better way of turning boys into godly men, I would be doing that. Mm. But I, but I, but I know that not only are we preparing our boys to stand against this culture that is against them, we're preparing them to turn back the tide itself. Mm. Now there's a lot of people who join trail life because we need an arc. We need to keep our boys safe. We need to put them in place, surround them with other people who believe we do. But then there's other people who are saying, we need a battleship. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to because I, I like want my that. boys to be equipped 
to to turn back this tide in this culture, not right. in a violent way, mm-hmm. right. not in an anger way, but 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 by demonstrating what a godly man looks like. Yeah. And that's attractive. Now that, that's your daughters are looking for that. Um, so that that's attractive. Uh, boys who are being raised in a godly man is a, is an attractive valuable thing that people still know intuitively they still know that it's necessary yeah um, but it's just it, the example of that is missing people don't even know what it looks like anymore so but we're restoring that amen oh there man are other organizations like us amen. glory to god and amen. let me just remind our listeners of the website is traillifeusa.com traillifeusa.com and you guys have chapters in all 50 states correct we do we have troops in all 50 states over 1200 churches uh all sorts of denominations. Um, they do sign a statement of faith, mm-hmm. a simple, I don't want to say simple, but your basic statement of faith. And then also a state, statement of values that talks about things like purity and integrity and stewardship and, and defines things like uh, like marriage. Um, so the churches that are involved uh, <laughs> all, all uh, uh, in, encourage and, and, and agree with those, those biblical traditional values. Amen. Mark, we are out of time, but I've got one last question for you. It's a question that we like to ask our guests. It's taken from second Timothy chapter three, verses 16 and 17. Share with us something that you are reading in God's word that has recently taught you, rebuked you, corrected you, or trained you in righteousness. Oh man. I just ran across something. Um, the other, I, I love the book of James. Um, at some point early in my Christian life, I, I determined I wanted to memorize the book of James. Never got never got it done, but I just love the book of James. But I, so I was reading the other day, and I could I got like I couldn't even get like through the first three verses when I hit this. And you know, count on all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing this that the testing of your faith produces patience. And I thought that's a big deal. The testing of my faith produces patience. Mm. So I can be impatient. So where does impatience come from? Impatience is untested faith. Mm. So I thought, man, I need to stop praying for patience. And I need to start praying that those tests would produce fruit in my life and the impatience will go away because (laughs) the testing of my faith, that's how I get patience. Mm. That's, That's so good. good. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we got to test our faith and we want to run from it. No, you must have prayed for patience because God's <laughs> given you a test. And, and, under, and understand, every time your test is your, your faith is tested, you're building patience because it's like, oh, I've seen this before. You know, for, for five years, I traveled around the world uh, serving the man who has stood before more people, seen more miracles than anyone in the history of the world. I, I put together those meetings on five different continents. And, and he would say to me, you know, a lot of people think I have a special anointing. He says, I don't. He says, I've just seen the same thing so many times and got it wrong. And it's like, oh, I know what to do now next time mm. I see that. So a lot of people say, wow, you know, the Holy Spirit must have really been speaking to you. And he said, well, I understand I have the Holy Spirit, but my faith has been tested in so many areas that I'm now patient with God. And I wait, I wait for him to move. And it looks like some sort of crazy power or something. He says, it's just patience because mm. that my, my faith has been tested. There. I said, wow, that's a big deal. So when I read that the other day, that just exploded all over on the inside of me. Oh man, wow. it's so good. Mark Hancock, the CEO of Trail Life. Mark, thank you. 
Thank you so much. It's real, really enjoyed this discussion. Yeah, so have we. Want to remind our listeners, when you resist those cultural trends that rival the truth, you remain culture-proof. Until next time, Lord willing. God bless. God bless.